I wouldn't exactly call these position grades, but we need to find out where this team is heading into Minnesota. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. I am your host, Zach Seiko. In today's show, we are going to figure out where this team stands, from the offense to the defense to the special teams, and also talk about some interesting headlines from Penn State. They had media availability at practice yesterday. Uh, there are some intriguing high school prospects that are going to be in attendance for the whiteout game against Minnesota, which could be huge for Penn State's recruiting. And something that I, the, the positive side of sports, if you will, a really cool video from the Penn State-Michigan game. No, not the locker room halftime tunnel debacle. It is actually post-game that this video comes from. Let's start with this, the offense. Where does the offense stand heading into Minnesota? And you can't have a conversation about the offense without bringing up quarterback and doing it first, since they are the thing that makes the offense go, especially in this day of football. That's both college and pro. At quarterback, I mean, in to preface before I even get into position by position, I'm not necessarily going to give them a grade, but an assessment, a review, because I don't think that we can put a letter on Penn State right now based on what happened in the Michigan game, but this is just the state of the team, the state of each position going into Minnesota. Quarterback. Well, the public controversy continues between Sean Clifford, the starter, and Drew Aller, the true freshman, the five-star, the guy trying to push the 24-year-old six-year quarterback for his job. Doesn't seem like this is going away anytime soon, right? James Franklin has been asked about it, I think, almost every single press conference. Hey, when are we going to see Drew Allard? Should Drew Allard play? What is Sean Clifford's status? And James Franklin said that Sean Clifford has earned the right to be on the football field. The public doesn't see it that way, and I thought this was an interesting point that was brought up online. The internet's always a good place to go get information, uh, if you haven't noticed. Unbiased, of course, as well. But in the past few weeks... Sean Clifford hasn't performed his best. I mean, the game against Purdue was outstanding. He accounted for how many touchdowns? Accounted for all five of them. That's right. Four passing and one rushing, but we haven't seen that since. It's kind of been the vintage Sean Clifford of he's more of a game manager than somebody that can take over. We saw that quarterback, his potential of a guy that can take over, but since then, it hasn't been the case, and I'll explain why I don't exactly blame Sean Clifford to this point. But Northwestern, he had a stat line 10 of 20, 140 yards, a touchdown, and interception. Okay, that's tough because of the weather. It was raining. You really can't throw the ball. I, Drew Aller wouldn't have fixed anything in that case. Uh, Trace McSorley uh, wouldn't have fixed anything in that case. Michigan. He was 7 for 19, 120 passing yards, had that big 65-plus run on, in the game, early in the game. And with him as the starter over the past three seasons, Penn State is 16 and 12, 2 and 7 versus ranked opponents. 
and he's only went over 250 passing yards in nine of those 28 games. That is the stats from Sean Clifford, and yeah, they're not really overwhelming. What can I say? Now, the question was brought up if Sean Clifford was even going to play against Minnesota because he was pulled from the Michigan game. We all saw it. We all heard about it. The shoulder injury, and we assumed that it was to his throwing shoulder. Uh, He was grabbing at it on the sideline. But James Franklin said that it is not a season-ending injury, and he doesn't like to talk about injuries unless it is season-ending. So we know that fact that much. And yesterday at practice, media were allowed into Huluba Hall, and Sean Clifford was there taking quarterback number one reps, and it didn't seem like anything was holding him back. Drew Aller came second, Christian Veyer was third, Bo Perbula was fourth. The same rotation that we've heard about all season long. As it stands, Sean Clifford will start and will be the full-game quarterback, especially if he's not hurt. That's where the quarterback situation stands. Sure, it's been underwhelming the past few weeks, but Sean Clifford led them to a 5-0 record up until the Michigan game. And he's been taking care of the football, just two interceptions to this point, and that's something to at least be happy with, that he's not putting the football in harm's way. There's a lot of positions to cover on the offense. To the running backs, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen were meh against Michigan. I mean, they they were underwhelming. Singleton, six carries, 19 yards, uh, had a couple drop passes, was involved in that pass interference with Tyler Warren. If Singleton was behind the line of scrimmage, it would have been okay. For Catron Allen, six carries, 16 yards. He did have the rushing touchdown. Penn State was able to punch it in after Sean Clifford got them down inside the 10-yard line. And that's what Catron Allen's there for. The short yardage situation, Singleton is the... Big play, running back. And Singleton seems to be the starter. For me, that doesn't even matter. If I can compare this to basketball, Catron Allen's like the sixth man, right? You have your starting rotation, but it doesn't matter in terms of minutes. This is the case in football with snaps. Singleton and Allen are getting the same amount of touches. They're getting the same amount of reps. I don't really care who's on the field first and who's not. But they still like Allen more in short-yarded situations. They're trying to get Singleton involved a little more. Saw him early in the game on that third and short where they tried to go with the stretch run rather than the Sean Clifford quarterback sneak. Didn't work. Uh, They had him on that play-action rollout with the pass interference. So it's not every time that they're in third and short. It's Catron Allen, but they feel a little more reliable with him in those situations than with Singleton, at least for the moment. And this is something that I saw coming a country mile away. Kevon Lee has been phased out of the offense. One carry, six yards against Michigan. Uh, I thought it was going to happen at this point, and, and it happened had nothing to do with, oh, I was right. It's the way that the coaches have been speaking about Singleton and Allen the entire offseason. They said it all offseason. Anytime you asked about Singleton or Allen, they lit up. Whether it was Jay Sider, the running backs coach, or James Franklin, they were enamored with Singleton and Allen and have every right to be. They are freshmen that have the athleticism of a redshirt senior. Like, they are very good. But the running back room could get a little worrisome. And we bring up Kevon Lee. Lee was not seen at practice yesterday. And... Now it's spreading like wildfire on the internet. See, internet is a great place. 
Kevon Lee might have stepped away from the team. We don't know that. He was asked about it. Uh, James Franklin said that Kevon Lee was not in class when asked about it in the post-practice press conference. But that really wasn't a good defense. Saw Devin Ford lead the team. Could Kevon Lee quit as well? I, I just hope he has an excuse, a doctor's note, something that would really hurt the depth chart. Your next man up would be Tank Smith. But I do not blame Kevon Lee for being upset. A guy that saw so much of a workload over the past two seasons from 2020 and 2021. And now he has just been driven out of the offense. He might still be hampered by injury from Auburn. He left the game. He was actually splitting the reps evenly against Purdue and and was involved early in the Auburn game, but then that injury set him back, so maybe he's still dealing with that. Maybe he was seeing a trainer at that point. To the wide receivers. Uh, The wide receivers, kind of like everybody else, struggled in the game against Michigan. They couldn't get open against these Michigan corners. Anytime they were in one-on-one battles, the defensive backs for Michigan were winning them pretty consistently. I would argue that Mitchell Tinsley seems to be the best receiver in the room. He was open the most against Michigan, just didn't get all the targets that he necessarily deserved. Five receptions, 57 yards. There was the one big play to Trey Wallace, who stepped up since the absence of Keandre Lambert-Smith. And Smith, Lambert-Smith was active in the Michigan game but didn't play a whole lot. So I imagine that his leg injury, I can't speculate what it is, but that he was seen in a walking boot. So we'll just call it a leg injury. The leg injury is holding Keandre Lambert-Smith back. So uh, hopefully he's better because the wide receiver room needs him on the football field. Michigan game plan for this very well. With Keandre Lambert-Smith off the football field, Michigan was allowed to double team Brenton Strange and double team Parker Washington. And that is exactly what I said leading up to the the game. I said, if Keandre Lambert-Smith's going to be missing, the Michigan defense doesn't have to respect every single individual receiver. They can focus, hyper-focus on one or two guys, and that is exactly what they did. Uh, Trey Wallace is an incredible talent, has nice hands. I mean, that was a perfect throw from Sean Clifford, probably one of the better ones we've seen all season. But Trey Wallace doesn't have that same effect that Keandre Lambert-Smith does. Even though Lambert-Smith is the third wide receiver and maybe the fourth target on this offense, he provides an extra dimension that forces defense to put single coverage on all those guys. He helps open up the offense. They need him at 100% badly. To the tight ends, Brenton Strange was held in check. One reception, nine yards, and that's a testament to the Michigan game plan, the Defensive coordinator set them up very nicely, and Strange was double-teamed. There was a lot of focus on him since he's been tearing it up for most of the season here. Tyler Warren was back from injury. Good to see him back, but didn't really factor in a whole lot. Was involved in the pass interference most notably. They ran some three tight end sets. Didn't really work out that well. Not sure what they were trying to accomplish just because it didn't have any push against that Michigan defensive front. And with Strange being limited, it begs the question again, are Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren going to be involved in the offense more than they are right now? Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, I don't know what's going on. I just want to see them a little more active in the passing attack. And it's nice to see the inclusion of Brenton Strange, but Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson, 
They had a workload last year, so I don't know what changed so much given that they have the extra experience. They're bigger, they're better, they're faster. Now, both of them have been injured, but they're... I just don't think they've been given the opportunities to succeed, and, and it's tough. It's a it's a crowded room for the tight ends, and Brenton Strange has been the one to emerge. On the offensive line, Landon Tangwall was injured in warm-ups versus Michigan, and I don't know since they don't put out an injury report for Penn State, but I anticipate that Hunter Norzad will be at left guard versus Minnesota. That's just my guess. We could see Landon Tangwall starting against the Golden Gophers on Saturday. The right tackle still isn't figured out yet for Penn State. Bryce Effner and Caden Wallace continue to rotate like a turnstile. Uh, Wallace is struggling or Effner is pushing him for the reps. Those are the only two plausible causes here. Franklin said that Effner has earned his time on the field, so maybe it's Effner just pushing Wallace for reps, but the fact that Caden Wallace, who was a highly touted recruit, has been in the program for as long as he has has not solidified the right tackle position. It's just a little concerning at this point. Although you do have the reliability of Juice Scruggs and Sal Warmly, like they are anchors at center and guard. They're making highlight tapes. Uh, people that are scouts or around the NFL have liked what they've seen from Juice Scruggs and Sal Warmly. Despite not having the best game against Michigan, they've been sound for the most part this season. And Olu Fashnu had the great start. Uh, CBS Sports had him in the top five going to the Washington Commanders in the first round of next year's NFL draft, uh, but he's been slowed down a little bit since. He struggled. He just hasn't been as dominant, and I think that's because he's faced some stiffer competition, but he's way ahead of where he should be for a redshirt freshman left tackle. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. When we come back, where does the defense stand? The assessment of the Nittany Lions heading into the whiteout game this Saturday. That's coming up next. Today's episode of Locked on Nittany Lions is sponsored by Sweatblock. This is directly from a customer review. Chris suffered from excessive underarm sweat for 10 years. He was so worried about sweating through his dress shirts that he started tucking maxi pads in his shirt to soak up the sweat until he found Sweatblock. Sweatblock changed the game for him. Chris was able to fix his problem with Sweatblock. And Sweatblock was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is doctor-created and doctor-recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor by Sweatblock, save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lines. I am your host, Zach Seiko, the defense. And as a reminder, these are not necessarily position grades, but just an assessment and a review of where each position stands going into the whiteout game. The offense we went through pretty extensively. Let's do the same now for the defensive team that struggled on Saturday against Michigan. 418 rushing yards later, a 41-17 blowout. I put the game more on the shoulders of the defense for the outcome. 418 rushing yards, Michigan was able to have its way on first down, second down. Uh, they didn't really have to draw up anything fancy. They were able to just execute the basic game plan that they had with little to no resistance. The defensive line, it did the best that it could, honestly, and some of the best performances came from P.J. Mustafer, Devon Ellis, Chop Robinson. They had really good games. P.J. Mustafer had about six tackles. 
and they've gotten better as the season has gone along. Like, I was a huge critic of them after Purdue, Ohio, and now they've really stepped it up. Like, they are resetting the line of scrimmage. They did that against the likes of Auburn. They did that against Northwestern. Like, they've had a huge impact. So what did Michigan do? They strategized double teams. They went at P.J. Mustafer. They went at Devon Ellis. They double teamed those first four guys along the line of scrimmage. So that means the linebackers have a lot more responsibility in this situation. And they did not handle it. This is the only game grade I'm going to give out. And if it weren't for the pick six by Curtis Jacobs, the linebackers would get an F or an F-. minus. They're going to get a D- minus just because the defense scored a touchdown. And Chop Robinson had that pressure. It was a good play by the defensive line, and then Curtis Jacobs finished the rest of it. But if it weren't for that defensive touchdown, I I don't know. The linebackers really struggled uh, defending the run particularly because it was easy as pie for Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. The game just looked too fast for Tyler Elsden, too big for Jonathan Sutherland. Like they, they were just awful in run defense. They had very poor games. Even even Curtis Jacobs was over-pursuing, under-pursuing. Like I said, he had the pick six, but the linebackers just all looked out of place. So the defensive line did what it was supposed to. They opened up the middle because they double-teamed P.J. Mustafer, and that's tough. You know, one player trying to take on two offensive linemen, that's not what P.J. Mustafer should have done this or that. He did what he was supposed to. He drew the attention of the offensive line. As the linebacker, you have to fill that gap and they didn't do that. They also didn't tackle them. Corum and Edwards were able to get two, three extra yards. They were able to fall forward. Rarely were they pushed back. Abdul Carter had a good game. It's honestly a shame that he plays behind Curtis Jacobs as that strong side linebacker, because that linebacker is the position that's supposed to make all the plays. The Mike linebacker, the middle one, is supposed to call out the plays on defense, and the weak side linebacker is meant to be more of a pass defender. That is what Jonathan Sutherland is. Because everyone's saying, well, why isn't Abdul Carter in at the mic? Why isn't he in at the weak side linebacker? That's not his position. His position is the same as Curtis Jacobs, and you can't start both of them. So my solution to that is consider switching to a 4-2-5. Consider switching to a 5-2. That way you can have just your two best pure linebackers on the field, which they are. Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs are the best linebackers that Penn State has to offer right now. And the only way that you're going to do that is switching to a two-linebacker system. But since the base under Manny Diaz and the base under Brent Pry is a 4-3, I know that Brent Pry is not here anymore. He's at Virginia Tech. But that's how it's always been, where you have a strong linebacker, the Mike, and then the weak side linebacker, and Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter are the one and two at the strong side linebacker. You would need Abdul Carter to learn a completely different position, and that's how different they are. That is how difficult of a scheme these defenses are. The three linebacker positions are not all the same. They are not all equal. Abdul Carter, at least right now, maybe he could learn it in an offseason, but when Curtis Jacobs moves on to the NFL, Abdul Carter just slides right into that starting role. That is where Micah Parsons was. Micah Parsons wasn't the Mike. He was the strong side linebacker. That allowed him to blitz. That allowed him to be active. That allowed him to make plays. So the only way for Penn State to do that is switch to a 4-2-5 or a 5-2 to get both Jacobs and Carter on the field. 
The secondary really couldn't be involved since the game script went away from blitzing and pass-heavy situations. I thought my biggest key to the game was getting J.J. McCarthy under pressure, but when Michigan's up by two touchdowns, is able to run the football the way they are, the secondary and Manny Diaz's blitzes really couldn't factor into the game plan. Jair Brown led the way in tackles with nine, and he shouldn't because he's the last line of defense as the free safety. When your guy at the third level at the back end is making all the plays, that means you had a bad day. Brown is very good at stopping the run, but I don't want him to. I want him to make plays in the passing game, and Michigan didn't have to pass all that much. Joey Porter Jr., Kalen King, Daquan Hardy just really weren't asked to do all that much. Joey Porter Jr. had that defensive penalty to start the game, which I liked. It set the tone. He meant business. The defense meant business. It did cost Penn State 15 yards, and it was a penalty. Do I agree with the penalty and the rule itself? Not necessarily, but it is the rule. And if I'm being honest, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot from the secondary as well. They will not be too much of a factor again unless they are intent on stopping the run, which they will be, but Michigan is not going to throw. With the status of Tanner Morgan being up in the air, they could have their backup quarterback in there, and the wide receivers just frankly aren't that good for the Golden Gophers. They have Mo Ibrahim. They are going to run the football 50 times. Ball's not going to be put in the air. The cornerbacks won't have an opportunity to make a big play. And we'll round it all out with the special teams. Barney Amore had his worst game of punting. Let me clarify. Because of how good he has been, yes, the game against Michigan was not his best performance. And that's just the case. He still had a punt inside the 20. He was averaging 43 yards a boot. So he had an okay game. But compared to the display that he's put on all season, a little lackluster, but that's how good he's been. Jake Pinnegar made all of his kicks, had the field goal, had the two extra points, no complaints, just wish Penn State's offense was in a position of scoring more points so that he had more kicks. But he didn't miss anything, and that's what you want to see. I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with kickers on kickoff. Sanders Sahadak, Gabe Wosu had the one kick that just sailed way out of bounds. It wasn't even close. They still can't figure out who's going to kick the ball uh, from the tee at the 35-yard line. And, And I don't know why that's still an issue. And kick return is abysmal. Nicholas Singleton is your starting kick returner. He averaged 14 three-point yards per return against Michigan. I don't know at this point what you do if you put Catron Allen back there. Uh, Nicholas Singleton has also had trouble fielding some of those kickoffs. Do you think Kevon Lee should take kicks? Just anybody. I, I don't know why they are adamant on having running backs on kick return because maybe Parker Washington or a different receiver, a Caden Saunders, should take kickoffs. But that's just the way it is. They have running backs on kickoff, wide receivers on punt return. And speaking of punt return... Parker Washington didn't have any return yards because Michigan did not punt the football. So Parker Washington hasn't had an easy day in that regard. He's still one of the better punt returners that Penn State has had to offer. Not necessarily Jahan Dotson or a Derek Williams type, but he can make people miss. And I like having him as the punt returner when he's back there. Thanks for joining me on Locked on Nittany Lines. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. When we come back from break... These are the latest headlines for the Nittany Lions heading into the whiteout game against Minnesota. That is on the way next. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sport wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks for joining me. I am your host, Zach Seiko. So what is in the news regarding Penn State? Well, we turn to the tabloids for a couple of these. Uh, the first one is actually a really cool video that is now circulating on the internet. This is actually post-game. This was not the dispute argument that was in the tunnel at the halftime of the Michigan game. J.J. McCarthy, the starting quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines, actually tracked down Sean Clifford after the game. He's yelling, Cliff, Cliff, goes up to him, daps him up, gives him a hug, and McCarthy says, hey, good game. I really respect you, and I really look up to you. As a person and a student of the game of football, honestly, you should. Sean Clifford studies his tail off he started the the limitless business that he has the agency the to represent college football players and college athletes in general like sean clifford is a really smart dude okay you have to give him credit he's an entrepreneur he's a football player he's at least going to get a look in the nfl whatever you think of him right now uh, because he's not the perfect quarterback but sean clifford does have a lot going for him and it was nice to see a young quarterback like J.J. McCarthy come over and say, hey, you know, we were enemies on the football field, but I really do respect you as a person and as a player. Now the tabloids, uh, straight from TMZ. No, not not exactly, but we do have some more groundbreaking information from the Penn State versus Michigan disagreement at halftime in the tunnels. Maybe don't put two teams that are going to battle against each other in the same tunnel right next to each other. Penn State, this was not unique to Penn State. And you can go back and listen to the previous episode from Wednesday where Michigan will have the money from the TV deal and they can easily correct this problem. Penn State is the only team they haven't gotten into a shoving match with. But apparently Penn State was throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at Michigan players. I'd be mad too. Peanut butter and jelly is the best you can do as a halftime snack? Uh, No, if you're a Michigan player, obviously you don't want to be pelted in the head with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It might stain your uniform. You might not have your tide to go. I I can understand. I can relate to that. A Michigan offensive lineman said in an interview that he was hit by one of the flying sandwiches. I guess it could have been worse. I I don't know. I, I really think it's childish all around. I don't know why Penn State is throwing sandwiches. I don't know why Michigan started jawing with them. It really was a strange situation. I am just glad something really drastic didn't happen. You know, no no players were caught saying anything bad, and that's because there wasn't anything that was said. You know, it was just like, hey, you know, we'll see you out there in the second half. Like, okay, that that's true. But there was really no trash talking, anything vulgar, anything very disrespectful. 
The worst thing that happened was an airborne uncrustable. And the last headline is Penn State is going to be quite the hopping place on Saturday for the whiteout game. As expected, there will be some notable players in attendance. A lot of current commits to the class of 2023, all verbal. Alex Birchmeyer, Conrad Hussey, Dakari Nelson, Jamil Lyons, Jackson Smolik, Joey Schaffler, Javen Williams, King Mack, London Montgomery, Mega Barnwell, Tamir Robinson, Tony Rojas, Ty Blanding, and Zion Tracy. Jack Lambert will also be in attendance as well. He is a walk-on commit. Now, I could sit here and go through every single high school player that's going to be in the whiteout. I think that would take a its own Locked On Nittany Lions episode, so I will not do that. But there are some notable players that will be in attendance, particularly from the class of 2024 recruiting. And that includes guys like Cooper Cousins, someone who is already committed to the class of 2024 verbally. He is an offensive lineman. Anthony Specka will be in attendance as well. Jaden Davis, who is a highly touted quarterback recruit, he's being recruited by Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. There's one player that is actually not on this list, and maybe maybe he will show up. We don't know for sure. But Quentin Martin, I don't know if you've heard about this player from Bell Vernon, but if you get a chance to watch some of his highlights, he looks like he is a college veteran. He was doing workouts with Miles Sanders, like agility training, former Penn State running back, of course. And Quentin Martin was keeping up with Sanders. He had the same pace, the same tempo in these cone drills. And I know that's a small sample size, but he is a bona fide five-star. Watch this kid's film. If I can even call him a kid, like he is very good. And Quentin Martin is not going to be in attendance for the whiteout game. He's an in-state recruit. This is somebody I would say, honestly, is the Micah Parsons caliber in the defensive backfield. Like, you have to get this guy. But he's going to have a lot of offers, and hopefully he picks Penn State over everybody else. So I thought that was pretty interesting that he has not been on the list so far. Then there's about a dozen-plus kids from the class of 2025, and even a couple notable high school recruits from the class of 2026. Yes, that is how far... James Franklin and company recruit out in advance. So the whiteout game, hopefully it is everything it's chalked up to be. I think it will be. Penn State has already put out a little gimmick to log on with the app and use your cell phones. And then your cell phone camera flasher will dance with the music and the songs before the game. It's going to be a really cool setup. But that's going to do it for myself, Zach Seiko, your host of Locked On Nittany Lions. Join me tomorrow where we scout the Minnesota Golden Gophers and preview the whiteout game itself. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen that is Locked On Big Ten.